Martin brought us. All right, welcome back, everybody, to our Monday edition of Sports Talk Live. What a busy day it's going to be for us out here at Border City Alehouse, 1506 Lee Trevino on the east side of town. Adrian's going to be going west to the district uh, in two hours at 3233 North Mesa for the uh, Minor Talk pregame show before uh, we get ready for UTEP and uh, UC Santa Barbara here tonight. 7 o'clock tip-off uh, on 600 ESPN El Paso with John Teicher, Steve Yellen calling the action. We're going to be live out here getting you ready for the Denver Broncos and the Buffalo Bills. It's Monday night football out here at the Yale House. We will also have the UTEP UCSB game on the televisions here as well. So excited about that. It's pint night with us. Three fifty, four fifty, five fifty pints. We've got three dollar cans of Modelo, four dollar Fireball, and of course the menu, which has everything you want. Whether it's pizza, brisket, fajita uh, tacos, we also uh, have uh, delicious half pound burgers, chicken sandwiches. Um, unbelievable appetizers. It doesn't matter what you're looking for. If you have an appetite, come down here and uh, board us to the alehouse. We'll feed you and keep you uh, well hydrated for Monday Night Football and for UTEP and uh, UCSB. Now, uh, a lot to catch up on over the weekend. Adrian, I know you are going to be super busy with uh, not just our show, but then heading out uh, to the district in a couple of hours to host the uh, Minor Talk Tailgate Show, which I'm excited about. And we'll definitely have more information on throughout the course of the show today. But uh, the game that everybody's talking about right now is UTEP and UCSB. After two thrashings where the Miners have scored a combined 243 points, they'll be tested in a much bigger way here tonight with a team that was a tournament team last year and uh, a group that, despite losing at home to Portland State last week, poses a, a, a pretty good a test to this UTEP minor basketball club. Yeah, you're exactly right, Steve. I mean, you talk about somebody like A.J. Mitchell. That is their star guard that UCSB is bringing in tonight to the Don Haskins Center. But whether or not he will play, that's the biggest question. That's the biggest storyline going into this matchup tonight because he was picked uh, as the all-preseason Big West team. He was the former Big West Player of the Year as well. And if he does not go tonight, he remember Remember, he didn't go last week on Thursday against Portland State. If he doesn't go tonight, well, that's a big loss for uh, the Gauchos in UC Santa Barbara. But if he does go, A.J. Mitchell, then they'll go as far as he can take them. They've got transfers galore, guys who they can uh, throw into the mix and who can be immediate impact players right away for this team tonight. But I feel like their success rests on the Big uh, Big West uh, Player of the Year, at least from 2022, and that is A.J. Mitchell, uh, who is on their club as well. Well, I guess we won't know until we see um, you know, them tonight and uh, how that's going to go. Because, yeah, A.J. was out for Santa Barbara in their game against Portland State. And, you know, you think about that. And without A.J. Mitchell, the uh, Vikings forced a ton of turnovers on the Gauchos' offense. So that was the story. And, yeah, I'm interested to see um, if A.J. is going to play because that is a huge, huge storyline for, uh, for UCSB tonight. Huge storyline. And do we know for sure, because 
like, I mean, they're calling it like an undisclosed injury and how he was a late scratch. Do we know what's going to happen yet? No, we don't. They're calling it a minor injury. Correct. Yeah, they said that he was supposed to play against Portland State, which is so weird, right? I mean, uh, UC Santa Barbara was heavy favorites in that matchup against Portland State, and, and I'm not taking anything away from Portland State, uh, but I, I would also say going into this one, he is that difference maker. He is the guy who can help them either win this one or keep it close on the UCSB side of things. He did not play, and that was pretty much a game-time decision, but yes, it was undisclosed. They're very quiet over there at UC Santa Barbara with head coach Joe Pasternak. They are very quiet as far as how much uh, information they're releasing on this one right there. There has been no indication whatsoever, even by their media, as far as whether or not A.J. Mitchell will play. Do we know if he made the trip? That's a great question, too. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I will say this. If he was supposed to be a go against Portland State, I think at least he makes the trip and, and tries yeah. to give it a go tonight. I would think so, too. Um, so that's a big storyline. We'll keep an eye on that. Excited to find out. Uh, and by the way, you almost want to see if UTEP can beat UCSB with A.J. Mitchell, don't you? That, that's a good storyline. Yes, I want this team to be at full strength when UTEP plays them so we can have a better understanding of what this UTEP team will bring uh, the fans this season. I, I want to see what this team will do against uh, a team competition that's pretty much on their level and I would think that on paper right now UC Santa Barbara is on the the same level as UTEP at least right now on paper when you're just taking these teams and looking at them from afar yeah you're right you're absolutely right um well let me say this and I'm interested to see what ends up happening in fact uh thank you Chad for informing me that Jim Rome is a huge UCSB graduate. I didn't realize Romy was from there. Did you? No, I didn't. I didn't. I, I've been to the Santa Barbara area. Uh, my wife's family lives out there in Santa Barbara, so it's super cool to go out there. It's like one of the most uh, you know beautiful places here in the in the West Coast that you can ever visit. It's like mountainous and then also the beach. So I love it. Yeah, me too. Me too. So that is a good way to get us started. Uh, here on the program today. Really good way. And I'm excited to see what ends up happening with, um, you know, their situation against UTEP. But like I just said, I want to see UTEP play um, with their best. That's that's what I want to see. I, I don't want to see um, UTEP, you know, win without, um, you know, a guy like uh, AJ. That's, that's, that's the ultimate. So... Yeah, I'm with you on that one, and wi willing to see what happens. I think it's going to be a very good storyline for us to keep an eye on here tonight. Very good. So, anyway, uh, you want to talk about it with us? We'd love to hear about it with you. 505-6009, our telephone number. And by the way, Adrian, they're pacing well for crowds, very well. In fact, I feel almost like uh, we're pretty safe to say it's going to be a very, very strong, uh, strong crowd. 
I think so too. I feel like that's a testament to the marketing that has been put into this game in particular. Remember, uh, this one is the nine dollar and fifteen cent ticket night for those fans yep. who want to see this UTEP men's basketball team. And if there are fans out there who want to still go to the game, there's still tickets out there. They are available, and uh, I'm sure they're going to get a good walk up crowd too. Those people who might be on the fence tonight, I get it. It's a Monday, but if you have an opportunity to get out there and watch some UTEP basketball, I think you're going to get a chance to see two really interesting mid-major squads go at it tonight. Uh, the Gauchos went to the NCAA tournament last year. They are uh, a, a program that has won 20 or more games under their head coach in five of six years uh, since he's been there. So they are a successful program year in and year out. And I think it's important for UTEP to play these California teams because they want to get out there and recruit that area. So what better way to get out in front of them than to do it on national television? television at your own home court in front of a big crowd. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, I'm interested to see what happens. I, I really am. And, uh, you know, once again, this is going to be a, a fun storyline for us here today. Really is. Um, and I'm not and I, I don't know for sure how things are going to uh, how things are going to unfold. But I will say that, uh, yeah, I am. Uh, I am excited about this and feel like we've got, uh, as Chad just described, an old-school Big Monday. Maybe that's the way it is. There used to be days when Monday night basketball, college hoops was the thing, Adrian. This was what it was like. I miss those days. I like I it. Good stuff there, Chad. And, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a really cool thing in itself, just the weeknight games, uh, and especially when when they mean something. You know, this is an early season matchup between both these teams, and I think it means a lot for this UTEP basketball squad to kind of show them, all right, they've done it against an NAIA school. They've done it against a Division three school. Now their first Division one matchup tonight against UC Santa Barbara, a team that on paper is right on uh, – about, about as the same level as UTEP is to this point. So yep. let's let's just see what both teams have at this point. It's early in the season. I'm not going to make overreactions either way, win or lose. And I think it's just going to be a great test for Joe Golding and his team here early into the season. I can't wait. I cannot wait. And I think that uh, it is definitely going to be something that uh, a lot of us are uh, looking forward to right now, a lot. And hopefully turns out to be, uh, you know, Big night for minor fans. Um, tell you what, the uh, atmosphere, what are we thinking? Are we thinking 10 or just under 10? Ooh, wait, like crowd tonight? Yes. Oh, man. You know, I'll just say this. I think anything over eight is a success. I'm just going to say that. And I think that uh, because of the ticket prices right here, I think nine or ten is attainable, knowing knowing it's $9.15. However, it is on a Monday. It is difficult, I get, for some families out there to make it out. I think it's just one of those nights for uh, the basketball diehards to come out. Yeah, I do, too. I do, too. All right, uh, Adrian, I'm having difficulty uh, on uh, getting into Facebook on this new laptop of mine, so if we have any calls, please text them to me for the time being. Great. We'll get things started right now with Orly. He is first up today uh, on the phone lines, 505-6009. Orly, welcome aboard. Happy Monday. How are you? Doing good. Good weekend. Got to see the 49ers right the ship. There you go. Um, what a difference uh, the defense made yesterday. Um, yep. They looked like they were from the past. Their defense started playing. Purdy had a good game. Didn't have to force anything. 
uh, it's kind of nice. Um, tonight's game should have a good crowd. You know, we're finally playing a team with a recognitional name. We're not playing uh, Eastern New Mexico, Western New Mexico. Uh, I don't even know what the other team was the other day. And McMurray State. These are actually a good team. I'm glad to see we're having a home game against a quality opponent. There you go. That's all season kickers want. You know, anyway, that's one. Um, hats off. Hate to say this as a minor fan, but congratulations to the Aggies. They have proven that you can recruit to this area. Right on. You don't need, I mean, they get uh, kill. I'm not an Aggie fan by any fans, but it's hard. You've got to give them their due. He's proven that you could do a quick fix. Hint, hint. We want a quick fix at UTEP. That's off to Boise State. They don't waste around. After two years, they got rid of their coach. We still got one for seven years here. Uh, it's time to make a chance. I think there's, what, three coaches got fired over the weekend? Yeah, Jimbo including Fisher, Jimbo. The Jimbo Fisher yeah, one is wild, isn't it? That one's yeah. wild. $76 million. Wow. Oh, I know. Well, what is that What is that to Texas A&M, though? I mean, honest to God, you know? That's what tells you what's wrong with, with athletics today. Yeah. And you can pay a coach $76 million. True. Um, that, that is so wrong. Anyway, but good weekend. Um, uh, I just guess I'm happy the 49ers turn the ship around. Uh, hopefully, can't take anything lightly. They've got Tampa Bay this week. And then they've got three toughies in a row. You've got Seattle, Philadelphia, and Seattle. That could make up the whole season for the 49ers. Um, but, yeah, it's, it was fun to see them get back to basics. What a difference with uh, the addition uh, on linebacker on the outside edge rusher. Yep. It, 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 it's, it's fun. It, it, it's, and that's one organization that, you know what, they want to win it at all. It's two years in a row. They've made a splash. That's right. But go to the game tonight. Go Miners, and uh, let's see what happens. All right, Orly. Appreciate the call. Good start to the show. 17 past. We've got a lot more to talk about. We'll get to it all here live. Border City Alehouse with you until 6 o'clock. And then it's all to, off to Adrian on the other side of town at the district as we'll get you ready for UTEP and UCSB happening here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Let's go to Charlie 1. Get our first traffic update of the afternoon. Continue. Love to get your thoughts on everything sports-wise. Following up on that call from Orly. 505-6009, that's our telephone number, 505-6009. Uh, we'll get you right on in and through to the show, and uh, looking forward to that as well as uh, your calls, your comments, and everything else that uh, we've got for you here on the program. By the way, um, let's be honest. Um, I don't think UTEP is going to be sniffing 10,000. They might not even be sniffing nine or eight. Adrian, I heard last week they had 7,000 sold. So let's just say with a good walk-up, even if they get 7,500, all right, and shy of 8,000, that's still going to sound like a really, really good crowd for a game like this. 
Oh, yeah, big time. I mean, you're talking about also CBS Sports Network, which is, I guess, a little bit more accessible now that people have streaming television uh, subscriptions. So if you've got a YouTube TV subscription, even like a, you know, a, a basic Hulu TV subscription or even a, you know, a Spectrum t- uh, live TV subscription for your streaming, you might get a chance to watch this one just based on what is included in your package to begin with. So the exposure is great. And like we've heard on the football side, side of things it's not just locally it's across yeah. the country it's the the fact that minor fans no matter where they are if they're outside of El Paso they can also watch along on a nationally televised broadcast like this one yeah you're right you're absolutely right and that's the most important thing and I think most fans will say that for them that's exactly uh, what they want to see so um you know tonight I think that uh, for basketball now I'll say this too okay Let's just assume that when UCSB takes the floor tonight, they do have their best player, A.J. Mitchell, in the lineup. Um, You know, if UTEP is able to play well and win the game with A.J. Mitchell, that's huge. If they lose tonight and Mitchell plays, um, once again, you know, they'll, they'll be losing to uh, a tournament team from a year ago whose best player is back. But I think the more, uh, the, the, the more important storyline with that, Adrian, would be that, you know, UTEP fans are on board. They're excited about the two, uh, the two games when they ran up the lesser opponents. But if they come pack it tonight and the Miners don't win, then immediately UTEP fans are going to think, well, what we just saw last week is fool's gold. We realize that this team is still not anywhere close to where we want them to be. Yeah, I feel like that would be an overreaction for sure, knowing it's this is really game one, in my opinion. I think this is game one right here. This is the first game of the season that you got to really keep your eyes on for if you're a UTEP fan. Next week, just a reminder, a big week for UTEP basketball, knowing that they've got Cal on their docket. Uh, that's a Power 5 school. So if you think about even these next five games, you stretch this out into the end of November and you realize UTEP's on the road against Loyola Marymount, one of the top 100 teams in college basketball right now yeah it's a tougher stretch for them right now so if I look at it kind of zoom out a little bit and I, I see it's UCSB tonight it's Austin P on Friday then Cal then Loyola Marymount and closing out the month uh, against Texas A&M Corpus Christi at least out of those games right there that are guaranteed matchup not counting the Tulane Bradley matchup uh, I feel like UTEP needs to win at least three or more of those to give fans a little bit of excitement uh, a little encouragement going into a December month, which they have Oregon on the road, Abilene Christian on the road, and those two teams are quality opponents when we talk about the start of December. So I don't disagree, but I guess my point is is that every time minor fans get amped up for a big home game in sports, in football or basketball, if they don't win, it almost like it lets the air out of the balloon. So what I'm saying, I I think my bigger point here is that um, this game does mean a lot because you could score 123 points all you want against the science and arts of Oklahoma's and schools like that, 
But when you do have the big home games on your schedule, the the few that you do, and the fans do show up, they want to see UTEP play to their capabilities and not see all of a sudden a better team really you know show them that they're that they have yeah, they have potential but they're not there yet. I mean, look, we all want the turnaround. We all want to see something exciting. We get that. But what I'm telling you is this. If if uh, you know, if, if Mitchell plays and UTEP ends up uh, winning that game with him in the lineup with a packed house of 7 8,000 fans, whatever they have tonight, that could go a long way into re-energizing this basketball fan base for the 2023-2024 season. You know, it's an interesting point, too, because you reflect on the bat, uh, the football season. They beat Incarnate Word, and they get everybody, I-, I guess, a little bit more excited after that victory. But knowing that it was an FCS opponent, everybody wanted to see how they would be at home against a team that, on paper, at that point, September 23rd, was at least uh, comparable to UTEP. And that was UNLV, and look at what happened. UTEP uh, let fans down in mid to late September, and that pretty much dominoed effect the fan base for for the remainder of the season that that uh, matchup in particular they sniffed 30k and then um, you know every other game no one else showed up for football and, and granted that was a team that had much worse losses than just uh, UNLV and La Tech at home but still it's kind of that fool's gold early on into a, yeah. against a, an inferior opponent and then losing the juice of your fan base if you lose that next game so yeah for, uh, you know just to get fans excited about this season I think it's really important here tonight they also have a 6-4 junior guard in Cole Anderson who scored 21 points in the loss to Portland State last week and they've got another guard Josh Pierre Louis who is a 6-4 senior who scored 16 in that game so I guess the point is is that A.J. Mitchell is the best player on the team, one of the best in the conference, but this seems to be a guard-heavy offense that has the ability to score. Yes, they're going to shoot the outside shot in a big way. Uh, that's one of the their bre- that's one of the things that has been the staple for this UC Santa Barbara program over the past couple seasons. They love to shoot the three ball well, and that's going to be a key for the Miners how they defend the perimeter, knowing that hey, they they weren't the greatest against those inferior opponents last week uh, from outside shooting. And then on top of that, this is a team in in the Gauchos that turned the ball over eighteen times against Portland yep. State. I expect uh, a feisty, also aggressive defense like UTEP to try to create a lot of turnovers tonight and keep their defense really engaged throughout this one. So those are two stats, or I guess two columns to look at here tonight. We'll talk more about it in a moment. Um, Our phone number, 505-6009. We're with you for the next uh, couple hours until uh, 6.30, but before we uh, wrap things up at 6.30, we've got uh, Adrian standing by live for us at 6. In fact, he'll have information on that right now, so stay tuned. That's all coming up inside Sports Center as we continue 600 ESPN El Paso. Uh, 33 now past the hour as we continue. You can also connect with us on X, formerly known as Twitter, 
as uh, Sports Talk rolls along. And I'm looking at uh, some of the conversations uh, that we've been receiving. And Adrian, um, once again, uh, after the press uh, conference today with Dana Dimmel that you attended a little while ago, which significant news was the Gavin Hardison recent surgery, which will force him to miss the last two games uh, of his senior season and uh, finish off his UTEP days. Um, again, a lot of the reaction from the fan base is uh, not even listening to what uh, their head coach is saying, but instead wanting to see uh, you know Dana Dimmel step down as head coach. And that is something that I don't think is really a surprise. We've heard that from fans um, for much of the season, and now it, it's almost like these press conferences are, are more uh, white noise than anything else. Right, and, and I think the first thing that fans will always point to the media is say, well, you never ask the hard questions. You never give them the, you know, the hard ones out there. Well, today, uh, Rachel Phillips, giving her credit from KVIA, uh, she asked the, you know, just a simple question about, uh, you know, what he kind of thinks end of the season and if he kind of feels the pressure from whether it's the fan base or, you know, the, the, the athletic department on not moving forward as the head coach. And he just quickly, uh, you know, deflected that. He said that he just, he appreciated the question. He didn't want to answer it. So uh, these questions are being asked. Uh, it kind of feels like the writing is on the wall right now, Steve. Uh, I will just reflect to what happened this past weekend in the group of five because it's not compare, it's not fair to compare UTEP football to power five coaches that are fired right now. But it is fair to compare UTEP to what other group of five coaches are, what's happening in the other group of fives, like Boise State, which fired yep. Andy Avalos. Uh, that one really shouldn't be a surprise. But you look at San Diego State, Brady Hoke re- announced his retirement. They are three and seven through 10 games. They're going to finish with the losing record. Hoke went 13 and 12 with the Aztecs uh, back in 2009. And then this time around, uh, just hadn't had the much success. They did have a great season last or two seasons ago, but nonetheless, uh, Brady Hoke retiring after this season. So you kind of see at least a little bit of news coming out of the Mountain West ranks uh, from coaching changes. Yeah, you do. By the way, um, I, when I saw the Hoke story, I was, um, you know, he's 65 years old. So it's not exactly like Brady Hoke is in his, you know, 40s. He's been around a long time. He was the head coach of Michigan from 2011 to 2014. So, you know, there's a guy that's been doing this a long time um, and has decided that, you know, it's it's time to call it a career. Um, I am interested to see, you know, what else will, uh, what else will happen and, and the ripple effect. But, I mean, we've all been saying that I, 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 I believe – that from a UTEP standpoint, and I've been saying this for a while, if they felt there was somebody on the staff that, if given a chance to take over as head coach, could finish the season on a positive note and be a leading candidate to inherit the program, they would have done that already. But I don't feel like there's anybody on that staff that could be in that spot. Hence, uh, Adrian, why uh, UTEP will allow Dana to finish out the season and then uh, make the, you know look to bring in somebody after that. The downside to that is is that as more schools start to make coaching decisions, um, you know there's other programs out there that are going to be looking for for head coaches. And the longer they wait, the more schools will be in the same position. So you don't want to wait too long. 
to where you put yourself in a spot to where um, you know some of the best names out there that you could be targeting are already off the board. But on the flip side, Adrian, we all know that UTEP does not even have a chance to pay the kind of money that San Diego State will spend on their next head football coach. Yeah, great point. And I'll read you some of the candidates who are uh, among the the uh, San Diego State, I guess, vacancies or who could fill that vacancy when it's all said and done. Washington offensive coordinator Ryan Grubb. I mean, come on. That's a that's a guy who's uh, currently coaching one of the best offenses, if not the best offense in all of college football right now. Uh, yep. USC analyst Cliff Kingsbury, who's also rumored to be in the Texas A&M discussion. Oregon State offensive coordinator Brian Lindergren. And then how about this one? This is an interesting local tie right here. Nebraska defensive coordinator Tony White. He's also mentioned in that uh, job opening for San Diego State. So there you go. There's a little bit of a local El Paso connection in Tony White. Well, I think Tony White was also a former assistant at San Diego State, if I'm not mistaken. So I think that White was there already previously and had a pretty good uh, resume prior to he, so. he was there from 2009 to 2017, so he knows yeah. that that place very well. He knows El Paso very well as a Burgess High School graduate, so yeah. there you go. But somebody who spent a lot of time in the Mountain West specifically, was at New Mexico, uh, was at San Diego State like we just mentioned, and then has spent time with Syracuse and Nebraska most recently. Tony's had a terrific career arc. He really has, and hopefully he gets a chance soon. Let's go to Fernie. Uh, he joins us 39 past the hour, 505-6009, our telephone number. Hey, Fernie, what's going on? How are you? Hey, what, what's the buyout on uh, Dimmel's contract? So the buyout is, um, look, he's going to get paid all of this year, I think. So when I talk buyout for Dana, I don't even discuss 2023 because it's already a given that he'll get paid for this entire season. Okay, so he's under contract, and I wrote about this last week on uh, the website. He's under contract through 2024. And because the team did not go to the postseason this year or last season, the buyout would be 65% of his base for next season, which is 850000 so you're looking at a buyout of about 552k for next season. That's what that's what they would owe him after this year's over. Well, I mean, I wish he would do the honorable thing and retire. I mean, he's already in his 60s, and you know, kind of go out with some dignity and you know, and allow us to keep that money, you know, the 500 something thousand to look for a new coach. I mean, that would just be optimal, but you know, I mean. Come on, you're not going to walk away from five hundred something thousand dollars, you know. But I mean, I guess I guess Hoke, I hope he did it right at San Diego State. He walked, unless it was the end of the contract, which I doubt. That I I would hope that, you know, we would have that extra five hundred ninety thousand. But I mean, what's crazy is, is we're over here talking, you know, talking five five hundred and ninety thousand or whatever you brought up, Steve. And you know, I'm looking over at Texas A&M and. Whatever they're going to pay out, like seventy, what seventy-three million or something yeah. like that is just, seventy-two million. Just, That's correct. That is, that is correct. So unbelievable, and then they still have to sign a new coach to, right? You know, nine, ten million a year for however many years, and and we're over here. You know, I get a lot of people that criticize you know the pro of football and you know especially the of football, and there's no comparison. It's just you know I'm I'm trying to just relate this to people is. is 
we're not even close to being at a level like like even like Colorado State or you know UNLV or anything like that when it comes to money or you know Nevada Reno or anything like that when it comes to money. We're we're down we're down here where where I mean we're just scratching the bottom of the barrel here trying to just you know eight hundred fifty nine hundred thousand you know the next coach maybe a, a mill but oh my goodness it's just the whatever A and M did is just it, this is unbelievable. Well, I mean, look, I mean, you take uh, the Hoke retirement. He had three years, five million dollars left. On his uh, for his buyout at San Diego State, according to NBC Seven San Diego. Now, Adrian, you just sent that to me. Thank you. Does that mean that Hoke will get that money, or does that mean that he's going to uh, forfeit that and just take the retirement? So this was written as soon as he announced the the retirement. So they uh, didn't update it with that as far as how much he will take. Just had a statement from him at San Diego State uh, and did not indicate what his payout will be. They just indicate they just. Uh, clarified that that's his buyout uh nearly five million now Fernie, it is possible that maybe uh dimmel works out a deal with utep after the season or if he steps away from the program he gets his money but maybe they pay it out over five years he's making a hundred thousand a year rather than all at once the five hundred and fifty two thousand so maybe that's how they soften it up for them so they only owe him you know 110 per year for five years that that i think could be realistic but I mean, to say forfeit the money, look, if you were under contract and you, for whatever reason you defi- you know, your employer decided you weren't getting the job done and they wanted to uh, cut ties with you, you would probably be trying to hold them to that contract and say, well, you owe me this, so let's make sure we, you know, I'm not going to just leave unless I get paid. So it's a, it's a, you know, it's a valid, to me it's a valid point. If you've got a contract, you can't expect somebody to just give the school a break and say, hey, I'm going to let you out of the last half a mil because – you know what? I feel bad for you guys. And, that, and that's why I don't blame the players for getting all their, their NIL deals and all that now because it is a business. And yeah. coaches have no loyalty. And, you know, I mean, a, a good loyal coach would just say, hey, I'm walking away, I'm retiring, and this program you know, did as much as it could for me. But there's no loyalty. So this thing about, you know, so, yeah, you know, I, I, I would seriously doubt the coach from San Diego State really retired and maybe they came up with a an agreement or something for a little bit less or they're able to say he retired but no i don't think he's going to walk away from that much money i might as well just get fired you know and enjoy the rest of your 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 life but hey guys go miners tonight appreciate it fernie i don't think i've ever heard adrian of a coach just deciding to give their employer a break and decide you know what I'm going to walk away and just bypass the last few years because uh, you've been good to me, so I'm just going to l- let you off the hook. Yeah, I mean, come on, this is a business. Just like uh, on the flip side, the coaches have, so, you know, they hold their own power. The athletic department holds their own power on their side, and it's a business decision. It's not about who's nice. It's not about how what kind of relationship you have with the coach, right. what the coach owes. Even Rick Stockstill, he's been 18 years the head coach of Middle Tennessee, and that things are rocky over there at 3-7. and seven. Uh, I'm, I don't really take loyalty into account in all of college football or all of college athletics. Loyalty is gone. It's all about the business, unfortunately. It is. It is. All right, 15 in front. We'll come back. We'll wrap up hour one of two today. We're live. Border City Alehouse. What kind of prize is you going to win? We'll tell you about it as we continue 600 ESPN El Paso. 
Nine in front of five as we continue here on Sports Talk. Uh, live Border City L House and uh, getting ready for uh, what's going to be a busy night with UTEP and uh, UCSB. Uh, Richard brought up a good point. Didn't Tim Floyd step down with nothing in return? He did. He did. Tim Floyd retired. I'm sure he probably had something left on his contract. I forget what. But that is a really good point that Richard brings up. And he's right. I think Tim Floyd did retire when he had years left on his deal, Adrian. It wasn't uh, given over to Phil Johnson at the time? No. Well, Phil took over as head coach, but I mean, I don't believe. I mean, Phil did take over for Tim, but it's very possible that Tim had years left on his contract when he stepped down. Yeah, I'm, I was totally kidding, but you're exactly right. I think he – I don't know exactly what kind of contract he had, but I do remember when he stepped down. I remember it was very early into the season, just a handful of games into it. And it was also – if I'm not mistaken, it was – well, I know this was the case because I was working on the Prospector that night. It was a Monday, and we had our deadlines on Monday because we went out to print on Tuesday. And so I remember being at deadline and hearing the news about all of this. Yep, absolutely right. Um, Esteban brings up an interesting point. The season will end on a negative note regardless, so why not give an assistant coach an opportunity? That's a valid point, too. It's a great uh, you know, question. I think it's all about athletic department philosophy. So we know what it would ha- what would uh, the decision be if Esteban ran an athletic department. I think maybe this athletic department says, well, if it's uh, a season, let it, let's let him coach at least throughout the season, and then we'll reassess after. Yeah, I agree with that, too. Um, back to basketball. Adrian, at enemy win, the number three has this. Is UTEP's schedule good enough to get an invite to the NIT if they win 20 games this year? Well, remember the new changes to the NIT. Now the NIT will not necessarily automatically take you as a regular season champion. Uh, they will prefer all the Power Fives over uh, you know regular season champions for mid-major conferences. So I think the NIT this year specifically will be uh, filled with a lot of the powers, not necessarily the mid-major guys like we're used to seeing. I agree with that. And I also think, though, that as far as NIT goes, hey, if UTEP wins all their big games and of the 20 games they beat their best opponents home on the road neutral site, that goes a lot farther into ter- determining if they're going to be in the NIT. Right, and, or any postseason, uh, you know, yeah. for that matter. And I think that there is value in the CBI, so I would throw that one out there. Remember, Conference USA team, if I'm not mistaken, it was Charlotte, ended up winning the CBI last year, so that's a pretty uh, good one as well. All right, we're live. Border City Alhaz, 1506 Lee Trevino, getting you ready for Monday Night Football out here with uh, Buffalo and Denver and, of course, UTEP and uh, UC Santa Barbara as well. All right, um, come back with more in a moment. Stay with us, 600 ESPN El Paso. Here's Steve Kaplowitz and Adrian Broaddus. All right, welcome back, everybody. Hour number two live here today, Border City L House, 1506 Lee Trevino, along with Adrian Broaddus back at our 600 ESPN El Paso River Oaks property, Schoolyard Sports Studios. I'm out here live at the Yale House getting you ready for Broncos and Bills, Monday Night Football. Let's talk about some of the prizes you have a chance to win here today. We've got, thanks to our friends at uh, All That Music and Video, uh, Collector's Marketplace, located at the Fountains of Farrah, just below the Best Buy parking lot. We've got lanyards from both teams. We also have uh, keychain bottle openers 
from both teams, and we've got DVDs from both teams as well. Now, um, as we all know, Black Friday right around the corner, and for um, all that music and video, uh, it's like the second big record store day of the year. A bunch of limited releases, and uh, as uh, we know, you got to get there early before those uh, great releases sell out. But if you're looking for the perfect holiday gift and you want to get a jump on the shopping, whether it's vinyl, CDs, DVDs, action figures, posters, so many other gift items, including for the sports fan, all that music and video has it for you. So check them out, folks. Also, thanks to our friends at uh, Oscar Arieta and the Oscar Arieta Agency, we've got some really cool um, orange UTEP sunglasses that we're going to be giving away. We've got golf at Horizon Golf. That's good for a card and two green fees, $80 value. From our friends at 915 Sports and Novelties, inside Bassett Place, I've got some Dallas Cowboy goodies, including a very cool Cowboys shimmer decal. And also, from our friends at the El Paso Rhinos, going to be giving away two family four-packs this weekend with the Austin Ice Bats in town. You want to see the Rhinos, come down here, register to win, and we will get you all taken care of. That's for us out here today at the L House, halftime of the Buffalo-Denver game. Adrian, you've got the big watch party coming up here in about an hour out at, uh, on the west side of town, the District Bar and Grill, 3233 North Mesa. We're getting all the minor fans ready for the big game against uh, UC Santa Barbara. That's exactly right. It's a perfect spot. And actually, you can plan to eat with us and then, of course, uh, take advantage of the drink specials and then head over to the game. I would say it's walking distance. You probably want to repark your car just for uh, you know, just, just for comfort's sake. But if you are planning to park your car and then join us, it's not far at all, uh, 3233 North Mesa out at the District West, and I'd also say you can capitalize on those $8 nachos that they have. I've had the beef ones. Uh, they also have steak nachos and chicken nachos, so if you get out there early enough, you get a chance to capitalize on all that. Actually, the nacho specials going on throughout the night, so that'll be great. Let's talk about what the Cowboys did yesterday. They destroyed the Giants and just annihilated them and uh, almost set an NFL record with... Uh, uh, a, a total offense that uh, was, what, uh, about 640 yards. It's just uh, remarkable when you look at what the Cowboys did yesterday. 640 to 172. That's how bad they dominated uh, the Giants. 472 yards in the air. And uh, on that, uh, they had another 168 on the ground. Adrian, I, I said this earlier this morning uh, when I when I jumped on with Buzz on the queue. This team teases their fans because at times Dallas looks like a Super Bowl team. And just when you're ready to buy in, that's when the letdown starts. So the Cowboys have had a couple of uh, those games where they've just looked incredible. They did against the Rams, the Giants, the Jets. And then they'll throw the clunkers out against teams like the Cardinals or the 49ers, which makes you wonder once again, which Dallas team will show up come postseason? I think we kind of know what po- what uh, team this Dallas team is, and they're the good bad team. They're the best team of the worst, uh, and they always can beat up on all the bad teams and all the teams who are either on their level or who are a little bit less than them. Who, which what's their quality win on their schedule right now? If you're a Dallas fan, you're not looking at uh, a, you know a moral victory loss to the Eagles on the road, twenty eight twenty three. I feel like that's the only game that you could get. You know, actually yeah. excited about none of the wins, in my opinion, are quality wins. They're not. They're not beating anybody who's uh, of value. The Rams aren't good. The 
Chargers are not good. So no. who, are you, who are you beating right now? Their best wins so far this season, if you really look at it, there isn't one. I mean, really, the best win is probably the Chargers, if you think about them. That's probably, and that was a 20-17 to 17 win. And the Chargers right now are 4-5. and five. That's your best win. That is your best win. Against a team with a losing record. And that's the reality that the Cowboys are going to have to sit with for a while, knowing that they have the Commanders and Seahawks on the horizon before they get a chance to play the Eagles again. And if if they don't beat the Eagles, maybe they beat a quality team in the Bills. But now I'm starting to have question marks on Buffalo. Are they for real? And same with the Dolphins the week after that. I mean, I don't know what kind of team that is. I wouldn't put those two teams, the Bills and Dolphins, on the same level as the 49ers and Eagles for sure. Well, look. Look, the Panthers should be a win, should be, even though it's a road game. They've struggled on the road. But then Commanders, Seahawks, Eagles, Bills, Dolphins, Lions, Commanders. It's a better stretch to end the season in terms of uh, just quality versus um, the beginning of the season. But you're right. They might not get another real test again until the playoffs. That's very, very true. Right, and, and even the road tests that they have on the road against the Bills, on the road against the Dolphins, that's really it as far as road tests goes. Uh, I don't know how many road – I mean, you know, home games the Cowboys will get a chance to host in the postseason yeah. knowing where they're going to be when it's all said and done or at least where they're projected to be. I don't anticipate them surpassing the Eagles for that number one seed whatsoever. So they're likely not going to have a bye. They're likely going to have to play that first week of postseason football. Likely going to be at home, but after that, I don't know if they're going to get a chance to play another game at AT AT&T Stadium. No, they might not. Nine past the hour. we got a line ready to go at 505-6009. That's our telephone number. But look, you look at the games yesterday, okay? Lions beat the Chargers 41-38, so they're now 7-2. Chargers are 4-5, as we mentioned. Browns had a huge win over the Ravens. I thought the Ravens were one of the best teams in the league until I saw what Cleveland did to them yesterday in in the second half. Outscored them 24-14 in Baltimore. That was a surprise. I did not expect Trevor Lawrence to be as bad as he was yesterday in the 49ers 34-3 route. And also, speaking uh, speaking of bad, how about... Uh, the Bengals, as good as they've looked in recent weeks, losing to the Texans 30-27. to C.J. Stroud, Adrian, could be putting him not only into Rookie of the Year conversation, he might be putting him into MVP conversation the way he's playing. Yeah, I would look at it. Uh, this is how I look at yesterday. The worst loss by far by any given team is the Ravens. There's no excuse how they played in the second half. No excuse for Lamar Jackson to throw those two picks. Uh, and very disappointed after having such a great first half in that Ravens team. I'm also uh, very excited. Best win, the Houston Texans. They're suddenly 5-4 and four right now. They look in their division. The Jaguars are not far ahead of them. They're 6-3, and three, uh, Jacksonville is. And I feel like Houston could get some of these divisional games under their belt, and they could find themselves into the playoffs in year one under C.J. Stroud. That's always the big question. If you're a franchise searching for a quarterback, do we have the guy? I still feel like there are quarterbacks, whether it's first year, second year uh, who are in this league right now and the franchise is still wondering do we have the guy even Brock Purdy for all the great things that he does with San Francisco they're probably still wondering do we have the right guy there in Houston there is no question about it they have the guy and he is CJ Stroud and man he is doing so much with not a lot on his squad I believe you Let's keep things moving. Augustine is joining us next 505-6009 our telephone number Augustine what's going on man how are you 
Hey, Steve. Hey, uh, Adrian. Good evening, everybody. And the worst loss was the Patriots' loss. That was absolutely shambolic from the Patriots. I, I, I can't believe I woke up that early to watch a game. But, uh, but, I'm, uh, but uh, hey, uh, the quarterback's gone. Mac Jones is gone. Bailey's, you guys were talking about quarterbacks. So who would be a good fit for the Patriots at quarterback besides anybody? Yeah, I mean, that's the hardest part is who could play quarterback for the for the Patriots. Well, the way this season is going, they might actually have their pick of the best quarterback prospects in the draft. Let's be honest, New England uh, could be in the running for the uh, number one overall pick when the season's over, the way they're going. That, that will be, I think, the first time the Patriots have picked uh, fifth or earlier since 1994. Yeah. Wow, for Cowboy fans, that probably rings a bell. But, uh, but so, I mean... The, what's the real reason behind the Patriots? Is it just all on Belichick and his, uh, his, his way of not wanting to change with the times and not wanting a better offense, you know, not, not, not getting good enough for wide receivers? Or has the game really, and, 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 and I'll pose this question, has the game really gone by Bill Belichick and is, is it time for, for him to move on and, 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 and just retire? Well, let's put it this way, okay? When Bill Belichick and Tom Brady separated, the idea was going to be, let's see who is really more responsible for the success of that franchise. Brady goes out and wins the Super Bowl's first year in Tampa. Since um, he left, look at what's happened with Belichick and the Patriots. So it's pretty obvious to me, if you had to look at the two, maybe Brady had a much bigger value on the success of that franchise than their head coach. Or you could say that there's been such a drop-off between Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi and whoever else has tried to lead that team post-Brady. They've never really had a capable and competent quarterback in position. I mean, this year they might have their choice of Caleb Williams, Drake May, Bo Nix. Uh, I mean, that's a really good one, two, three to try to decide where they decide, you know, where they're uh, where they go. And that would be interesting to see um, if they go new head coach, uh, who would inherit one of those new franchise quarterbacks. Yeah, that's that's gonna be really interesting. And 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 for uh, for basketball, for Utah basketball, and I was listening to you guys in the office a little bit earlier, and I just think you're completely right. Of this is really like Adrian said, the first game of the season because yeah, you can score 150 points on Del Valle and. And, uh, and 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 they'll pass so high, but here comes a real team with some real talent on them, and, and this really is going to be a you know a game changer for the program to see if there is some kind of progress with Utah basketball, which I think there is. I really think there is a lot of progress with Utah basketball. I believe in this coaching staff, and um, and 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 that's Utah basketball. And uh, and, and by the way, Cowboy fans. It's uh, it's uh, it's fool's gold. Don't don't get your hopes up. Please stop it. Ah, throwing the old uh, ender to that phone call right now. Fool's gold, Adrian. That is uh, the message from one Augustine. 
as we wind up uh, our first segment here of our 5 o'clock hour. Yeah, I wouldn't get excited whatsoever about a win against the Giants. They're playing with Danny DeVito out there, quarterback, quarterback, or they probably would get more from Danny DeVito, to be honest with you, Steve, than they get from Tommy DeVito, who still lives with his parents. Uh, did not like that story whatsoever. Uh, didn't think that sat well with me. I'll, I'll say this about Bill Belichick, Steve. I think he is uh, chasing the all-time uh, record for a head coach to, uh, for winning games, and that is owned, I think, by Shula, and if yeah. he gets to that point, he probably does it with a different organization. So I'm going to float it out Great. today, November 13th. Maybe he gets traded, a rare trade for a head coach going somewhere else. First off, I don't know uh, how much you've studied this. Bill Belichick is 71 years old. I mean, I don't really know how many 70-plus-year-old uh, head coaches are suddenly going to be in demand uh, when they're coming off of a few down seasons to try to land a new job. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, think about it. He's up there in A, so he's not going to take a, a work in progress, but could he take yeah. over maybe something that's been established? Hint at the Cowboys, maybe the Chargers, those two organizations that kind of are in this weird pa- uh, holding pattern right now need to get over the top or kind of need to realize where their ceiling is. Maybe he could take over one of those programs right there. Could you really see Bill Belichick working with Jerry Jones? Uh, that's the only one I could actually see Jerry Jones trusting, right? How, I desperate, mean, how desperate is Bill Belichick? How desperate is Jerry Jones for a title? Yeah, that's true. That is true. All right. 16 past the hour as we continue more in a moment. First out to Charlie One with this traffic update. Past the hour right now. Coming your way live. It's Border City L House, 1506 Lee Trevino. Getting you ready for um, what's going to be a busy night of UTEP basketball. Miners and uh, UC Santa Barbara. John Teicher will be dropping in a little more than an hour from now on the countdown to tip-off. Adrian will take over the show at 6 when he is uh, out at the district for his uh, very special uh, UTEP tailgate party before the game tips off. So you can check Adrian out there. I'll be sticking around out here on the east side of town. So we've got the east-west connection tonight here in El Paso. I'm east, Adrian's west. We've got you covered no matter where you are in town. If you're at the game, that's going to be awesome. The atmosphere should be electric. If you can't make it, don't worry. We've got you covered here on 600 ESPN El Paso and also out here at the Ale House. We'll be sticking around with you to watch the uh, Denver-Buffalo Monday night football game and getting ready for that one. Let's go to the phones right now as we continue. Hector is joining us next, 505-6009. Hector, thanks for the call. How are you? I'm okay. How are you guys doing? Doing all right. Thanks, Hector. Appreciate it. Uh, yes, I guess I must, I must be one of those fools that still believes. Uh, long-time listener, long-time Cowboy fan. You know, it's just amazing how people, you know, when the Cowboys win, they always downgrade them all the time. Yep. And it's amazing how terrible teams are once the Cowboys beat them because as far as I know and as far as I've seen is that Philadelphia hasn't really beat anybody either. Almost off twice to Washington. They got by the Cowboys and I really think that by the time Philadelphia plays the Cowboys again, they'll be fighting for the NFC East uh, title. Well, look, the way the schedules work out, that could easily be the case. Now, I'm looking at the Eagles so far versus the Cowboys because you bring up a great point. Eagles are 8-1, and one, but you look at their wins, their best victory so far this season is probably going to be Miami. Now, Miami this year is 6-3. and three. That's probably their best win of the group. 
Because like the Cowboys, they also haven't played a ton of teams. I think you're right there. I actually think the best win that Philadelphia had was against against the Cowboys. You know, I think if it wasn't for the Cowboys' mistakes, I really don't think. I think the Cowboys beat themselves. Honestly, I think they should have got that shit. They should have won that game. You know, the only downside to me. Well, I guess we'll find out, right? Because the Cowboys yep. have to play in Miami on Christmas Eve. That's when we'll get a pretty good. I'm sorry. The uh, yeah, the Cowboys will play Miami on Christmas Eve, and that's when we'll get a pretty good indication of uh, of of what kind of team Miami is. Yeah, you know, another thing too. You know, we worry about San Francisco, uh, you know, Philadelphia and Dallas, and then here comes Detroit, <laughs> end up winning everything uh, yep. because of their schedule and their and their weak division as well. I mean, it's, for me, it's you know really still up for grabs. I I know Philly has only lost one game. But their tough schedule is coming up, so we'll see how they do. And I'm thinking hopefully they lose the two out of the next four games. Um, um, you know, the whole division to me, listen, the one thing about the NFL, right? I've So just when I thought that San Francisco could be special, they lose three in a row. And then they rebounded against Jacksonville last uh, this past week. But, I mean, I thought the Ravens were legit. And then the yeah, Browns beat them. them yesterday. Yeah. I know it. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's like there's a ton of parity in the NFL this year. There really is. Like, loses, and if Philadelphia loses to the Jets, I know with the backup quarterback. That's and that's and that's my point. My point is, if you really look at if you really look at everybody in the NFL right now, Hector, is there one dominant team that you feel good that every single week is going to go out and win a game and, and win in the postseason? Nope, not at all. <laughs> Maybe Kansas City. Because you know they have they have the record of doing so. Well, they do, but remember, but even they then. lost to the Lions <laughs> and they lost to the Broncos this year. And I think Denver is yep. terrible. So, so you, just, you just never know. That's why they play the game, right? Yep, yep, hundred percent. Appreciate the call. Thanks, Hector. I mean, Adrian, I guess if you want parity in the NFL, that's exactly what you have right now. I'm not saying we don't have good teams. We do. We just don't have any locks anymore. I don't feel like there's any locks in the NFL right now. I don't know. I think we have some really bad teams, Steve. I, I'd take the opposites. I think we have probably more. I think we. I can name 10 teams who I just think are flat out bad right now. And then to find the really good teams, uh, that's hard. I think you can you could uh, talk yourself in to a lot of these good teams, but to make the playoffs, or at least to outline the playoff picture right now uh, for both conferences, it's harder than ever. At least it's harder than I, I remember uh, for a while. And I think it is top-heavy. You still have your Kansas Cities. You still have your San Francisco's. But, uh, yeah, I mean, quality wins, I guess he brings up a good point. It is hard to find quality wins on any schedule, regardless of the team. Yep, he does. 25 past the hour as we uh, roll along here on the show. 505-6009, our telephone number. Like, I still like Kansas City, despite their loss to Denver. I still like Baltimore, despite their loss to the Browns. But you could make an argument right now that the AFC North is the best division in football. You could absolutely make that argument, and probably nobody's going to disagree. Everybody's over 500. The Ravens are leading the way, but the Steelers are a half game back. The Browns are a half game back. The Bengals are a game and a half back. So, I mean, you got everybody 500 or better. No division in football has that right now. So I guess if you really want to look, but I don't. But here's the crazy thing. I don't feel great about any of those four teams. So even if you want to call the, you know, the AFC North the best division in football, if you ask me, 
Do I believe the Ravens, Steelers, Browns, or Bengals are going to go to the Super Bowl? I probably would say no right now. I would echo those same sentiments. Maybe the AFC Championship game, uh, but yep. not necessarily. And I think it's also a gauntlet of a of a division. I mean, look at how they're kind of beating up on each other. No, knowing what the Browns did to the Ravens just yesterday. By the way, Baltimore has uh, Cincinnati on Thursday, and that feels like a must win for both of those teams. It's crazy to talk about a must win game here uh, just past the midway point of the season, but it kind of is. And then yep. you know, I would put the second best division right underneath that. And actually, it's not under right underneath. There's a little bit of a gap. And then it's probably becoming the AFC West, uh, knowing what the Chargers are still showing. I mean, they're not an easy out. The Raiders have suddenly looked good and showed some life under their new interim coach uh, in Pierce, even though they're beating up on uh, lower quality opponents. No offense to your Jets, Steve. And then, the, and then the Broncos have won back-to-back. If they win tonight, they're suddenly back in the playoff picture. So that would be kind of you know yeah there's a gap uh between the afc uh, north and the west but it's uh starting to get a little thinner as far as that gap and by the way i agree with you um you know especially about the, i watched that game last night that was a terrible football game which the truth is those are two pretty evenly matched teams let's be honest i mean those probably are two pretty mad uh, evenly matched teams when you start to look at you know, what the the Raiders are like right now and what the Jets are like. And the Jets have basically played themselves out of the postseason, which also really interests me because Jets, in fact, are um, are not going to make the playoffs. Should Aaron Rodgers just shut down the rehab and recovery and just not try to make a Superman-like return to a team that's going nowhere? Yeah, I felt like that story yesterday was uh, almost ridiculous. And I, I don't – at least – I don't know what to make of it, Steve. I want to think, is his Achilles not completely torn? Did he not necessarily, did he sprain it severely? And that's why he's back so quickly. Like, it's just, it seems like superhuman uh, stuff that we're hearing from Aaron Rodgers. And if they're not in contention, in my opinion, there's no way he plays or he should play uh, the I remainder agree. of the season. There is no point to play. What's What would be the reason to play? There is none. I mean, no, what you I would want a accomplish? better draft pick if that if that was the case. And also, remember, it's all conditional draft picks that are going to uh, the Green Bay Packers. So the fact that he doesn't play is actually better for their draft. Uh, I believe they owe him a, uh, owe Green Bay a second uh, right. instead of a first. That's true. That is true. All right, approaching the bottom of the hour here on Sports Talk. We have about thirty minutes left to go. We'd love to get your thoughts and comments at five zero five six zero zero nine. I just saw a post come in from Joe Chacon. Uh, the ban expired yesterday, correct? Has he now been reinstated? He has been reinstated. That is correct, Steve. That's right. Okay. Then I'll read that. Uh, I'll read that here coming up in a minute. But before we do, let's go right back to Adrian and get this Sports Center update. Thank you very much. Bottom of the hour. As uh, we now continue, 31 past uh, here. Uh, Joe Chacon had this for us, at Eldon60 on X, formerly known as Twitter. I'm tired of hearing people make correlations between teams. UTEP did not play Del Valle or El Paso High. They played two schools who recruited grown men to play. I'm sure that if the School of Science played, dot, dot, dot. Um, listen, Joe, I-, I don't disagree that a college team is a college team. But the point is... You can't take a 50-point blowout against a D3 school and have any accurate idea 
what that means in the long run for the UTEP men's basketball program. In comparison, if tonight we see, um, you know, uh, A.J. Mitchell play for UC Santa Barbara against the Miners, then all of a sudden that changes everything, and then we we know uh, what will happen if UTEP is able to win against arguably one of the best players in the Big West Conference. So I think the point we're trying to say is is that, hey, it's still impressive. You set, a, you set a school record, you set a school record. Traditionally, UTEP plays down to their opponents, and they don't blow schools out like that. We, we agree with all that. We know. But you can't determine how good a team is going to be when they beat up on a D3 school. I think that is the point we have, Adrian. Take it for what it was. And for my and for what I saw it is it's an opportunity for the newcomers to show out in their new uniform and get fans excited, give the team a little bit of confidence for what it is uh, going into a real week of basketball, and that is against a Division One opponent tonight, UC Santa Barbara. Um, you know, I no knock to all the players who are on those opposing teams. It just isn't the same level, of course, as when you're taking Taking on a Division One opponent, and we taught, we debated last week what the style, you know, what you prefer as far as the schedule. Uh, if you had an opportunity to do it, uh, do you go on the road? Do you take on a big opponent, or like the Miners did, do you play some uh, early home games at first to try to get your season going, and then ease into the schedule with more Power Five opponents? And, yep. and people feel different ways about it. So you just kind of see where Joe Chacon lands on this. He was excited that the Miners got a chance to show out in front of their home crowd last week, and. He likes what he saw from last week. Now, what, the, how last week will transition into this week? I think that's a big, uh, you know, thing to watch out for tonight. How they're going to use some of that momentum last week and transition it into a game against UC Santa Barbara. In my opinion, the first real game. No, I agree with you, and I think that is. I think we all recognize that. And um, there's again, uh, this is the first real game, and it's not that we're not trying to hype them up. We are. But I'll be much more excited if they win today against UCSB, especially if Mitchell plays. That would really tell us something as far as this team goes in a big, big way. Um, but let's see if that happens. I will say my favorite takeaway so far this season is not Zid Powell. It is not Corey Camper Jr. or Terrell or Trey Horton. But I am most excited about Elijah Jones for a lot of reasons. He's missed one shot from the field in two games. Now, again, given the opposition, I understand that. He also is probably the oldest-looking redshirt freshman forward I've ever seen in all my years at UTEP. Like, he looks like someone who easily could be a junior or a senior, but, and he's built like someone for that. But he is a redshirt freshman. Adrian, a 6'8", 205-pounder, who clearly right now Looks like he is off to the kind of start where he'll have minor fans dreaming about what he could do in big games against big opponents. Just think about last year's team and what UTEP did not have. They didn't have depth in their front court, and I think that hurt him moving forward because they relied so heavily on Zarek Onyema and Calvin Solomon last season that uh, whenever they had to turn to their bench, whether it was uh, Kevin Kalu, uh, Jer- uh, Jamari Sibley, they-, they just didn't get as much production from those guys as possible or as they'd liked last year. Jonathan Dosanjos, it's unfair to, uh, you know, to talk about 
about his season last year, knowing that he dealt with a lot of injuries. And then Derek Hamilton was just pretty much going through his own freshman season, despite being a junior college transfer. Now I feel like they've got quality depth in their front court, like guys that they can throw on any given night, guys that they could even start if they absolutely had to. And I think it's headlined by Elijah Jones. Jonathan Dos Anjos is definitely in that conversation as well, as far as contributors to the front court. But having that presence uh, down low is really important for this team, knowing that they lost Onyema and knowing that they need that kind of help this year with Solomon not having to carry so much on his plate. I agree with that, too. And, uh, you know, I feel like uh, Kalu can still give them some good uh, physical strength in the low post. But, you know, Solomon is going to be – this is last year. You need a future. And at least right now, the future looks pretty bright in that regard. So, yeah, I'm excited when you've got a redshirt freshman like uh, what we've had a chance to see from Elijah Jones and what uh, perhaps he can do here in the years to come. So that's uh, that, that's some, some pretty good news right now. It, it really is. And, you know, that's also one of the reasons why we'll say it and we'll say it again. You know, NIL is important, Adrian, not just to bring players in, but as we've seen now, especially with basketball, to try to retain guys from year to year. It's very important. It's vital. It's it's almost like the lifeblood. Uh, essentially, it's an extension of your lifeblood of your program. And some fans might roll their eyes on it and th- and shrug off the importance, but it, it really is important because when recruiting trips are happening, when official visits are happening, sometimes the people who are traveling with the prospect they ask uh, the first thing that they ask is. What kind of NIL dollars are are you going to bring to me? And how much are we going to benefit off that? And now UTEP can at least be a part of those conversations on the basketball side of things. Let's take a phone call before we go to break. It's Brian from downtown. He'll join us at 38 past the hour. How you doing, Brian? I'm hanging in there. I'm a minor. I, I, I bleed minor orange. You know that. <laughs> I do. Hey, listen, I don't want to hear about these substitute position players on Yama. Six eight, six five, six nine forward. Uh, you know, uh, backcourt. It's all irrelevant. What we haven't had in recent years is a scorer. He could be seven three. He could be five eight. I don't care. He comes in with three minutes later left in the game, and he can fill up the basket. That's what we've always needed, and it looks like this guy's a scorer. Again, you can't argue with that, with what we've seen so far. I feel like, though, this team has a few scores. It's not going to be just one or two guys. I feel like they've got a few. But most importantly, Brian, they've shown the ability to shoot the basketball. Last year, they that, couldn't throw it into I'm the ocean. Of, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when, when, it comes down to, uh, when it comes down to winning or losing the game with yeah. two or three points either way. We need a guy that's got a cup, you know, that has a pair and that can go put, go take a charge or go fill up the hoop and that can grit his teeth and sneer at the other guy's best player and say, all right, you guys, I got this. Well, we that's haven't right. had a player that could say to himself and it was teammates, don't worry about it. I got this. We haven't had it for years, and it looks like we finally have that guy. Good point. Good point, and I agree with that. So it's nice. Let's right. let's see how he does with uh, with tonight and some of the other better competition. But hey, man, Elijah Jones, freshman of the week in Conference USA. That's good news, and hopefully that bleeds over into tonight's contest, which we'll see. So, well, it's only been two it. yeah. games, and I'm the eternal optimist. Well, you got to be if you're a minor fan, long suffering, as we used to say. Uh, but 
it, it looks to me, I, I, watched it, I watched both of those games, and I'm very encouraged that Jones is that guy. He may not be that guy, but I've got a lot of hope that he is that guy. Sounds like a winner to me. Appreciate it. Thanks for the call, Brian. We'll talk to you. All right. 20 in front of six. As we continue, we'll come back. More out here live. Border City Alehouse. Adrian heading over to the district uh, at 6 o'clock. He'll take things over for a little uh, UTEP minor talk pregame, which we'll have featuring an interview with Joe Golding. That's right. Adrian sat down with the UTEP coach. Looking forward to that conversation as well. It's all coming up right here. 600 ESPN El Paso.